We're wrapping up a series today called Dear Future Me. And the idea behind it is if you could send yourself a message in the future, what would you say to yourself? What would you remind yourself, encourage yourself? What would you need to hear 10 years from now? Five years from now, a month from now? What would you need to say? I bet the mission team, if, if they were to write themselves a letter, they would probably say something like this. They'd probably say, hey, dear future me, 10 years from now, don't let that fire that's in my heart go out. Be as passionate for Jesus as you are right now. When people are surveyed regarding their future me letters, the, the ones they've written to themselves, or, or when they're just uh, surveyed, or the Facebook poll I put out there, so much of the time people have the same common things that they would remind themselves to love people really well, richly, to be thankful, to be gracious, to live their life full of adventure, to not be bound up by fear. And there's another interesting thing that we're going to talk about today as we wrap up the series that oftentimes is a common denominator between people who are imagining what they would tell themselves a few years from now or a few months from now or, or a long time from now is that they would remind themselves to fight for what really matters. Meaning... We do a good job of, of quitting when things get tough. Interestingly enough, it's close to 70% of men who have divorced their wives and remarried say that they wish they had fought for their first marriage more. That's a heavy statistic. Now, you may be divorced and remarried here. There's no, no shame upon you in that regard. So we're laying out some of the facts, though, that many times we look back at our lives or we look forward into our lives and we're thinking to ourselves, man, don't forget to fight. Or I wish I had fought harder. I don't want to look back at my life and think to myself, I wish I'd fought more for my kids. I wish I'd fought more for, this, for the sake of my neighbor's heart and soul. I wish I'd given more of my time to that. I wish I'd prayed more. I wish I'd fought more in the spirit for the people around me. I wish I'd fought those fears and lived this life. I don't want to do that. And chances are you don't either. And so today we get to talk a little bit about some fights that are worth having. Turn in your, your Bibles to 2 Timothy 4, 7. There's no one better qualified uh, in Scripture, obviously, other than Jesus, uh, to talk about fighting than Paul. He actually had a pretty rough life after coming to faith. Yes, he was surrounded by miracles and, and God's move. Just, it it took place around him all over the place. People getting healed. Miracles happening. Demons being cast out of people. Churches being planted. But personally, I mean, my man got beat up, stoned, whipped, cussed, spit on, went without food, went without sleep, got on a boat, the boat shipwrecked, landed on an island, got bit by a snake. I mean, the list goes on and on. My man knows a little bit about what it's like to fight. 
And so we could take a couple lessons from him. And he's reminding this young man, Timothy, who he's been raising up in the Lord, an older guy, giving it to the younger guy. He's handing some things down to him. And even as he's writing this, these are some of the last words that Paul penned. He penned them as he was chained to a Roman guard in prison. And here he is encouraging this young man, Timothy, to fight for what really matters while he's chained up, literally shackled to a guard. That's serious. He says, Timothy, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I have kept the faith. fought the good fight. Something about that that gets me emotional when I read about Paul ending his literal days, knowing his time is coming. And he doesn't say it with arrogance. He's just saying, Timothy, my man, I love you. I want you to know something. I fought this fight. My time is coming to an end. But I want you to know that I fought it well. I'm finishing this race strong, my faith intact. It reminds us of Paul's deep affection for Jesus and his kingdom, but it also reminds me that this life, there's a fight here. There is a struggle that happens as you live your life for Jesus. And I don't mean like you're just, you know, kind of limping by, you know, how you doing, brother, just getting by. You know, just barely making it. No, that's not what I'm talking about. But there, there, is a, there is a reality of good and evil, right and wrong. There is a devil who wants to kill and destroy and steal and who has purposes and plans. And sometimes we just, in our postmodern world, we, we have a good way of reducing the enemy's attacks, literally, in your life to just being life. And we kind of just bop along and life just happens to us. And we forget to look and see what's happening in God's kingdom and what's happening in Satan's kingdom. And where is the fight in your life to finish this race and to finish it strong? To fight the good fight of faith. Where are you fighting? Some, some of you might be sitting here today and you say, I'm struggling. Sometimes it's literally just a fight for purity. A fight for your mind. A fight for your marriage or for your children. A fight to have the right attitude. True story. Sometimes that's the fight that's right in front of you. And we've got to be men and women who are willing to fight that fight. And there are also bigger fights that are taking place as well. And we've got to know how and what to do about it. And so today, I'm going to give you three fights worth having. And we love to fight, don't we? Most of the time we fight about the wrong things. Here's one other thing, reading Paul's writings. When you say, I fought the good fight, well, it would tell me that there's also a bad fight. If there's a good fight that he's fought and he's done it well, then there's, there's adversely a 
fight that's maybe not worth fighting? How much time do we spend bickering on social media about things that you cannot get to a place of true resolution on because, surprise, it's social media. And you know what, you know what I'm talking about because you'll click on the thread. You won't even comment. But you'll just read the thread. And you're like, oh my gosh, look at what's going on here. And we just love to get kind of stirred up in the fight. Look at these people going at it. You're right there with them. We love to fight. We fight about where to eat. We fight about how much money to spend. We fight about budgets. We fight about church stuff. We fight about doctrine. We fight about theology. We fight about, pick what you want to fight about. We fight about it. We have an endless amount of energy to spend on fights that don't matter. And then there are fights that do matter. And we don't know how to fight them well. And so we fight dirty. One of my favorite movies of all time is Rocky. That's exactly right. And they just, Rocky, Sylvester Stallone just this week released some pictures that have never been, see, he personally had never seen them before. I posted them because I love this movie so much. You can go ahead and throw one of those pics up, Scott. There's, I think I put two in there. Yeah, Rocky Four. The best Rocky movie. <laughs> Not that there's anything, if you're Russian, if you're of Russian descent, I love you. <laughs> this movie makes all Russian people seem like they're wicked and evil, and for that I apologize. But they did a good job of building tremendous tension at a time when there's Cold War tensions taking place. And you've got Drago and Rocky fighting it out, and we love this movie. People can quote this movie, and what does Draco, what is, what does Drago say when they get together? Anybody remember? Glove to glove, right there in the ring. Does anybody remember? He says, I will break you. It's, it's legendary. And so the fight goes, they're duking it out, and the Russian crowd gets won over to Rocky. And Russia is now is, is cheering and rooting for Rocky to win. And it, the odds are impossible. Go to the next picture. Look at that. How does that guy, the little guy, win? Well, he does. That's why it's a movie. <laughs> but he says something at the end of this film that oftentimes we forget. If it's on TBS, you finish the fight and then the movie's off. You don't stick around for this last part. He says, during this fight, I've seen a lot of changing in the way you feel about me and in the way I feel about you. In here... There were two guys killing each other, but I guess that's better than 20 million. I guess what I'm trying to say is, I guess what I'm trying to say is, <laughs> is that if I could change and you could change, everybody could change. <laughs> and so you have this moment with Rocky, a terrible impersonation I know. I don't care. He's actually echoing what Paul has to say here. What Rocky is saying here, it's in, it should be in the Bible maybe, right? Maybe not. But he's, here he is reminding us that there's a fight worth fighting. And there's a fight not worth fighting. And here we are duking it out in the ring. And he's letting you know at the end of the movie that that's not the good fight. That's not the real fight. The real fight is the fact that I'm changing and you're changing. 
and becoming someone of destiny and purpose. And what I'm adding, the kind of person that God can use because you're willing to fight the fights that actually matter. Paul says this to Timothy in 1 Timothy 1.18. He says, Timothy, my son, I am giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you so that by recalling them you may fight the battle well, holding on to faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected and so have suffered shipwreck with regard to the faith. So as we're talking about fights worth fighting, the good fight, ladies and gentlemen, for your clarity and for my clarity as we're talking about this, we're talking about your capacity to live as Jesus has called you to live in a world that does not embrace following Jesus. That's the fight. The fight is for you to follow him well when the pressures, when the world, when your flesh, and when the enemy are doing everything they can in their power to keep you from doing it. That's the good fight. And so it sounds daunting. That sounds overwhelming at times. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to break things down into three fights today. If you like notes and you like to point one, point two, I don't normally preach that way, but today you're going to get points. The first fight that's worth having, ding, ding, get in the ring, is, I didn't even try to rhyme that, it happened, <laughs> is your fight against the devil and his kingdom. I don't know about you, but my propensity is to want to fight. But my propensity is to want to fight people. Guys, there's a lot going on right now socially in our country. There's a lot of fighting going on regarding race, politics, police, police brutality. And I'm not even going. I have done it before. But today, I'm not getting into the nitty-gritty of that conversation on a microphone right now. I'm not afraid to. We've done it before, we'll do it again. Because the, the, the thing that I want to get across today, before we even have that worthy conversation, is that there is a fight worth having. But the devil would want you to do one thing, and that's just fight with people about it. To get locked up, to be immovable, to be angry, to be full of rage, to be so mad that you just defriend everyone, cut off ties. It's happening every single day right now. And there is a, there is a conversation that needs to be had. There's repentance that needs to be had. But we have to know first and foremost that the true fight and the fight that you have to fight is not with people. Paul says your fight is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We forget that, don't we? I do. When I want to just You're driving down the street. Somebody does something to you in the car next to you. And you know what I'm talking about. They cut you off. Or they're driving too slow. 
and they're in the fast lane. Good God, people. What is wrong with you? And so everything inside of you wants to yell, wants to be angry, and this is small potatoes. Or maybe the guy's just being a punk, and so you finally get up next to him, and you do the drive, and then you do the, you know, you're just going to stare him down as you pass him by. You know what I mean. Or sometimes maybe you're one of these people who likes to just, you know, bird comes up, give somebody the finger. (laughs) Happens. I'm not saying it should not saying that, that, that I'm giving you a, a, a free slip on it. You, you shouldn't. That's not the kind of kingdom that Jesus has called us to be in or live like. But what we have to remember is that when people are living apart from Jesus, when they have values that are not his kingdom values, we're rubbing up against another kingdom. The devil, Satan, is real. And I'm not saying that people are possessed or that he's controlling them, but my point is simply this. When when other people are not living for Jesus and have no desire to live for Jesus, your fight is not with them. Your fight is that the heavenly forces of evil that are doing everything they can to keep that person blind and to keep their heart calloused. That's where your fight is. And more often than not, we want to get after it with the person. And what we really need to get after is getting on our knees and praying for God's kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. That's how Jesus instructed us to pray. Remember that? He instructs us to pray for his kingdom to come, which would mean that his kingdom has not been fully realized here, which means that you're going to be in a fight at times to see his kingdom coming to pass. already. Okay. I'm going to go. I'm going to keep going. I ain't stopping. I want you to hear this, church, because sometimes we need to get a little more charismatic. All right? I want you to hear this. When I, I grew up in the church and there was something that happened to me when somebody actually sat down and talked to me about the power of the Holy Spirit the baptism of the Holy Spirit. People laid hands on me and prayed for me to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, telling you something changed inside of me. And I'll never forget, I still, I love this story, and I have had some of my own. A pastor that I'm good friends with describes the account of his wife getting so sick, being sent to the hospital. For no reason, they had no accounting for why she was dying or close to to death. Doctors couldn't figure out what was wrong. They ran test after test to no avail. Organs are shutting down. Systems are shutting down. 
And finally, my friend, he, he, he went into a room and he began to pray. This is after this probably months. I actually don't know the, the amount of time we're talking here, but I know they didn't have much time to figure out if she was going to survive or not. And no one could know. Nobody could figure it out. And so he went and he began to pray. And he prayed to God. And then in the power of the Holy Spirit, knowing that there are kingdoms at war here, he boldly speaks. And he says, whatever spirit is attacking my wife right now, I'm commanding you to get in this room right now. That's what he prayed. He said he felt the room literally get colder, felt the hairs on his arms go up. And then he said, in the name of Jesus, I command you to leave my wife alone now. He's fighting a fight here. And in the next day or week, I, again, my, my, I didn't have time to get the timeline here, but we're talking right on the heels of praying, begin to see recovery as wife. And he shares this story, believing full well that in this moment of praying, that there was a, there was a, a moment of pressing and countering and fighting another kingdom that is at work. And sometimes we forget that your fight is not against flesh and blood. That there is a devil who hates your guts and that has an assignment against you and loves to send out his forces against you. And we don't have great descriptors in the Bible of what that looks like and how it all works. I don't. But you know what I do know? I know that the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives inside of me and lives inside of you. It's called the Holy Spirit. And there are times where you need to man up or woman up and stand up and say, enough is enough. This isn't just life as we know it. There is a force here of the enemy that is resisting, that is working. And I, by the power of Jesus, say no. Get back. Hit the road, Jack. My children are not up for grabs. Get out. Discouragement. Leave. Depression. Be gone. Fear. Take a hike. If you're sitting here and you're thinking, well, what about medicine and all that stuff? I'm not knocking any of that. But you need to also know that sometimes what you need to do more than anything else is get on your knees and pray or stand up and pray. I got a lot more here. <laughs> We're not even going to get close to it. Guys, there's a couple fights. There's a fight against your flesh. Won't go into the details of it, but just know it's a fight that you've got to have. When you, when you decided to follow Jesus and the old is gone and the new has come, 
It's a glorious thing. But that old man loves to rear his ugly little head. And there still is a drawing that happens for you and for me to live like the days of old. The old sinful ways of lust and entitlement and greed. And I love how how it's written in the Message Bible. It says this in Galatians 5. It's obvious this is describing the flesh. What kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex. A stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage. Frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness. Trinket gods. Magic show religion. Paranoid loneliness. Cutthroat competition. All-consuming yet never satisfied once. A brutal temper. An impotence to love or be loved. Divided homes and divided lives. Small-minded and lopsided pursuits. And the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival. Uncontrolled and uncontrollable addiction. Ugly parodies of community. Paul says, I could go on. (laughs) I love it. Ladies and gentlemen, everything inside of you still, even after you come to Jesus, I shouldn't say everything, there's still a part of you, though, that tries to find joy and peace and happiness in things other than Jesus. That's your flesh. You gotta pull out that sword, that shield of faith, and you gotta go to work. And you've got to pray and you've got to trust Jesus that even though you're weak, guess who's strong? Jesus is. And you lean into him and you trust him and you humble yourself. My first life group started out, started out a little rough. We were planning a church in Orlando, Florida, and we finally had some traction, and people were coming, and most of them didn't know Jesus. And then people started becoming Christians, and they were getting baptized literally in the pool of the apartment complex. And so, you know, on one such occasion, one of the guys that had been coming, Tony, he's coming to Life Group, and he's engaged, and he's asking questions, and he's just eating it up. And he comes to life group again, he comes to life group again, and we have a great life group lesson, and he shuts the Bible, leaves the apartment, gets in his car, drives to Walmart, and robs it. Robs a pharmacy because of a drug addiction. I'll never forget the phone call. He just came from Bible study. Hey, what are you... What are you teaching at your life group over there? I want you to hear this, whether it's addiction, whether it's small, whether it's great, whether it's just your natural disposition even to have a bad, sour attitude. Those are all issues of the flesh. And we've got to fight them. When you look back on your life, When you look forward to your life, I can tell you right now, there's no place in that conversation where you're going to say, I sure wish I lusted more. 
I sure wish I had more greed stored up in my heart. I've never heard people when they're close to dying say, I wish I'd spent more time at the office making more money. That's not what they say. They wish they had fought their fleshly desires more and experienced more of Jesus, more of his love, and given more of his love to the people around them. That's a fact. But you have to be willing to fight the good fight. There's one more which I'm going to have to just turn into a post, and I'm going to put it on our High Point Facebook page. Turn this into a little bit of a blog for you. Because we don't have time to get to the last piece here this morning. The reality is we had some great testimonies from Scotland, and, and that trumped what was being communicated in this moment. But understand, there's one other thing still, and you're going to have to find out online what it looks like to continue fighting this good fight. Because there are things worth fighting for. There are things worth fighting against. And you are not called to be a pushover, to be a wimp, to be weak. You are not called to give in to your flesh and ungodly temptation. But what do you do about it? Well, you pick up the sword of faith, you pick up the, the sword of truth, the shield of faith, and you fight. You live your life for Jesus.